Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Uh, if you've not been here for the last few weeks, we've been in a series, or if you have been here, we've been in a series called Life on Mission that, uh, in a sense, all of us are missionaries, you know? Uh, we talked about uh, that all of us are called to be witnesses if you're a blood, uh, follower of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, in Acts 1.8, it tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that's one of the things that happens when you become a believer, then he'll empower you to do something that uh, you can do but not do as well without the Holy Spirit, and that's be a witness. And we talked about for the last several weeks about how each one of us can be witnesses in our own neighborhoods. We can be missionaries in our own neighborhoods, in our Jerusalem, uh, or in Judea or Samaria, which is in the region around us. But sometimes there's uh, people that are called to go to places that are maybe the, the uttermost parts, in one, in one translation it calls it, uh, it means that maybe places far away. And this morning, uh, I want to introduce to you some folks that have been called to do just that, and I uh, want to talk to them about, uh, talk with them a little bit about this whole thing. So Jason and Emily and Courtney, you guys want to come up? And uh, you can give them a hand. Come on, you can do that. Okay, Great Oaks. Okay. We've already done this once, so we've already had a, had a, had a, a run already with the first service, so this is going to be so much easier this time, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it was very hard last time anyway, so it worked really well. Okay, let me introduce some folks. So some of you may know these two in the middle here, especially this guy because you saw him a lot if you went to Miracle Camp. Jason and Emily Kuhn, uh, uh, they're going to tell a little bit more about themselves in a minute, but uh, I got to know Jason and Emily a few years ago uh, through camp. Jason has served uh, for how many years now? Eight? Nine or ten. Nine or, nine or ten years, Okay up at camp as a program director and this recently uh, interim executive director of the camp, whatever that means. Yeah, uh, I'm not just sure. Not sure either? Okay. We're still figuring <laughs> that out. Still trying to figure that out. His wife, Emily, and they have a bunch of kids, and so they'll tell us more about that as well. And uh, we got to know them at camp for the last few years as well and been part of FEC. Courtney, I didn't know her until this morning, but met her this morning, and she's actually been over in Spain for the last year as an intern over there. And uh, so they're going to introduce themselves a little bit, a little bit more about their background. And then we're going to talk about this whole deal about, you know, why Basque and what's the deal. Okay, so whoever wants to go first. I uh, grew up uh, really close to here in Morton, Illinois. Um, went to Bradley University, uh, attended a, a sister church to Great Oaks uh, there in Morton. Emily grew up in uh, Toledo area in Ohio, and um, we ended up meeting at Miracle Camp. So we both went there as kids, met on summer staff. And so, I mean, if any of you need to marry off any children, just send them up on staff. <laughs> and, uh, they'll find their spouse. That's where so. my son met his wife, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, so. Uh, it's almost yeah. a guarantee, so that's good. Don't say that. Uh, we have four children, a seven-year-old daughter, and then we have uh, three sons, uh, six years old, four years old, and almost two years old. And so uh, we're pretty good. Good job. <laughs> Usually the guys don't know that. You know, that's pretty good. So yeah. all the ages of the kids. I don't know how long we've been married, but I know the ages. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm Courtney Mosher, and I'm from Wauseon, Ohio. So about five hours away from here. I have six brothers and sisters, so we're a huge family. Uh, two of which are adopted from Haiti, and then the rest are my biological siblings. And uh, yeah. I've been working in the Basque Country for a year, and I'm back here kind of on a break, American assignment, to go back full-time. Okay. Okay, that's a little bit about their background, but uh, we want to talk today. I want to have them answer some questions about the Basque, but also about why they were called. So the first question, in a sense, is, you know, what was the deal? Tell us your story how God called you uh, to go into the Basque Country. You know, why not, uh, you know... Metamora. Metamora or, or something, you know, who knows, you know. Uh, why Basque? Why Basque? Uh, okay, I can start. Um, I guess 
for me, the, the best way to describe this, there's a, there's a Basque phrase that says, poliki, poliki. Now, poliki means slow, but when you want to add emphasis in Basque, you can repeat things. So if you say poliki, poliki, it means really, really, really slow. And so <laughs> my kind of involvement in the Basque country has been really slow over a long amount of time. I guess about six years ago, I started working with the Summer in the USA program, like a lot of you might be familiar with. And uh, I started hanging out with the, some students and different things, and they needed somebody to watch Basque students pretty much during the day while their parents went to work. And, uh, <laughs> so they called up me and, hey, will you come hang out with them? We'll give you a free trip to Chicago, and we'll pay for your week at Miracle Camp. Okay, you know, as a, as a junior, it didn't sound like a too bad of a deal. So I started hanging out with these, these students from Spain, and I didn't really know much about them. I didn't know that they had their own language. I didn't know that, you know, they were an unreached people group. I had no idea, and I didn't take it too seriously. And then they left, and uh, while after they were gone, uh, I had this kind of moment where I realized, wait, these people, they don't, they don't know Jesus, and they don't have a relationship with him. And not only do they not know Jesus, they have no way of knowing Jesus. Even if they want to, there's not churches, there's not radio stations, there's not Christian books. The only Basque Bible is poorly translated. There's, there's really no way for them to know. And it kind of hit me one day like, wow, uh, they don't know Jesus. So thankfully, I'm blessed to have some pretty good connections in FEC who, with people who do Basque ministry. And uh, so they started kind of putting me in early in the game. And I, I went over to the Basque country. Uh, for a little while, got really good connections with some different students. Do we have a slide up there? And they started inviting me into their homes and into the meals and into really intimate times, and it was, it was great. And then I came back here, finished studies, and uh, I had this kind of gap year in between school and the rest of my life, and I didn't know exactly what to do with that. So uh, I felt like God was calling me into missions, like I should take this year and go do missions and, and go somewhere else. So I applied all over the world to different places, but I kept having this nagging feeling of like, okay, but I gave you Basque connections for a reason. Why aren't you using them? Come on, you're supposed to be using them. I didn't give you these people to do nothing with them. <laughs> and so uh, I got to the end of all these applications and all the doors closed, every single one of them. And I mean, I sent out probably 12 or 13 different places. And finally I come into church kind of dejected and I sat down and my pastor said, if you knew that you wanted to go into missions and you knew you wanted to go to the best country, why didn't you come to us? Because we're perfectly suited to send you over. <laughs> so we kind of created an internship program kind of from scratch. We had no idea what was, was going to happen with it. I went over. I flew over to Spain. I didn't know anybody on the ground. And uh, Jeff Shadwin picks me up, and it was the first time I met him. And I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> I guess I'm going to come live with you for a while did ministry with them, had some uh, great Bible studies, and I thought, okay, that's it, check that off my list, got the year of missions work done, and then um, in a kind of a set setting like this, I had a group of about 12 girls come and grab me by the arms, and they said, we need to have a chat, and best people can be a little intimidating at times, and so I was like, oh no, there's 12 of you, and there's one of me, oh, I hope this goes well, <laughs> and they said, okay, we need to, we want to talk about, about church. Two of them had come with Summer in the USA, and they said, okay, people in our group of friends, they really don't get it. Tell them that church is found in the United States. And I was like, 
churches found in the States. Don't worry, guys. They're not making it up. Tell them that the music is good and it's not organ music. And I was like, it's not organ music. Don't have to worry. And so I kind of used that and started going into, you know, what is church? What does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? What does church look like in the West Country? And uh, finally, after a pretty long conversation, they sat me down and they said, okay, if you come back to our town and you make a church among us, we will go. And I was kind of like, okay, I guess I'm coming <laughs> back then. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of how I've gotten involved. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, yeah, our story's a little different. I'm kind of the odd man out amongst all of us that are going to Basque Country in that um, the prayer I've kind of prayed my whole life is that the Lord would never ask me to go and be a missionary <laughs> somewhere. So um, I remember growing up really vividly and feeling sure that if I was to fully surrender my life to the Lord and tell him he could use my life for whatever, that he would want me to be a missionary. So I was always so scared to pray that prayer. But when I was 15 years old at Miracle Camp is actually when I was able to pray that prayer for the first time and say, okay, Lord, even if you want me to be a missionary, Lord, I want to do it for you. Um, but I still hoped he wouldn't ask me to do that. Um, and then when Jason and I got married, like he said, we met at Miracle Camp. And um, ended up, we ended up, he ended up getting a job as program director there. And if you know us, we love Miracle Camp. I think we got married there right on site. We've had all of our children since we've been at Miracle Camp. I think we secretly hoped we'd be buried there someday. <laughs> so um, we've loved our time at Miracle Camp and always just felt like God put us there for a reason. Um, and it's been awesome. And Jason had a deal going with the Lord that I just found out about recently in the last year that... Um, if he told the Lord that if he ever wanted us to do something overseas as far as missions, that it needed to come through me, and, and he wanted the Lord to call us through me because he said he didn't trust his own motives. He loves travel. He loves adventure. So he said, Lord, if you ever want us to do something like that, have Emily initiate the conversation. So we're safe, you know, like <laughs> I'm not going to initiate that conversation. He's prayed that prayer. Um, but a couple years ago, God started working on our life in a different way. And I remember one day specifically, Jason kind of reading through the book of Luke and just kind of jotting down the commands that the Lord gives in the book of Luke. And we're kind of talking about this and we're like, do we really follow these? Are, is our life really reflecting these? Um, he read the book Radical along that same time too. And we kind of um, went out to simplify our life a little bit and... Um, and then we were also going through a sermon series on prayer at church, and that also really impacted us and made us ask ourselves, like, is prayer really a priority in our life? Do we really know what it looks like to pray fervently and to pray for people to hear the gospel even and pray for salvation for others? Um, so God was working on our life, and about that time, during one of the sermon series on prayer, Jason uh, they opened up the front of the church at the end of the service and said, if anyone wants to come forward just to spend some time praying with us as elders, it's, it, you know, it's available up here. And my husband is pretty anti-altar calls, so like he wasn't going forward. And we're in the back row of the church and everything. But I like notice him start walking, and he's walking around the outside, and I just see him crying. Um, and that's really unlike him, too. So... Uh, God was just really working on his heart at that time, too, and um, we both kind of just said, Lord, if you want us doing something else or if there's something else you have for us, like we're willing, um, we kind of thought the answer would come then right away, like that next week, but it didn't, and throughout a period of two years off and on, we just really were praying, like, Lord, just tell us what you want to do. We're willing to do it for you. 
He went to Bass Country last November for the first time to help with some of the summer in the USA stuff and some Miracle Camp stuff there. Um, and I was a little nervous, if I'm being honest with myself, that as, when he went there, he'd feel like we were supposed to go over there. But he came home and he did say one of the things that was most impacting to him about that trip was how few people there are sharing the gospel over there. You know, we've done the immersion program and it's built great relationships, but there's so few people there actually on the ground in Basque Country telling people about Jesus. Um, so we made it our personal goal to convince our summer staff to do that. <laughs> so we were going to talk to a handful of them who we knew were interested in missions and um, convince them to go to Basque Country. So we were meeting with one couple in particular last December, um, and Jason was telling, showing them pictures, telling them all the reasons why they'd be the perfect fit for Basque Country. And the whole time as Jason was talking, I was just like, holy cow, he is describing us. Everything that he is saying is who we are as a couple, what we're passionate about, what God's been doing in our life. Um, so as soon as they left that night, I turned to Jason and kind of said, why aren't we going? And that was all he needed to hear from me. Um, and at that point, we began to pray about it, and God just confirmed it one thing after another. And I really felt like I was going to wake up the next morning and be like, why did I say that? Like, I don't really want to go. But God really matched it with peace and joy. Um, I feel kind of like as we were even singing that song earlier in the ocean song, like, you know, every step I took, like, God was there matching it and providing a foundation and stuff. So he just kept confirming it, even to the point that I found out in February that the other family, who we'll tell you about a little later, who's going to be going to Basque Country, um, she was my counselor when I was 15 years old and first prayed that prayer at Miracle Camp, saying, Lord, even if you want me to be a missionary someday. And she was the one who prayed that with me. And here we are now, 20 years later, going to Basque Country together. So, yeah. Okay. That's cool. I, I, it was cool to hear it the first time. It's even cooler to hear it the second time. I can't believe that. <laughs> how cool it is. I, now I know how people feel on Sunday mornings if I hear my sermon, all the technical people twice. They get to hear it twice. Like, we thought about changing the story. You thought, I, I wondered about that. I thought it would make it, you know, some new, new twists and turns to it or something. But no, it's a great story. A few it's, new jokes. No, a few jokes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, you know, we as a church, and I don't mean to share this. I didn't share this earlier. I did it in the last service. Many of you that have been here for a while know this, but we have been involved in the Basque Immersion Program, the, the Summer in the USA program, for several years, five years now. And so we have a heart here at Great Oaks for the Basque students because many of you, many of you, I think there's probably 15, 20 families at least here at Great Oaks that have hosted Basque students here for a month uh, over the last five years. And so you consider them your Basque kid. Uh, you know, we have your American kids and you have your Basque students as well. And so, and, and not only that, uh, I think there's seven families in this church, and I forget how many people total it is, that have actually gone over to Spain and have spent time in Basque homes. And so there's, there's a connection already with this, and that's why one of the reasons uh, I was excited about what these guys are doing, I think it's getting ready to take it to the next level of, of doing what we need to do, because we have some relationships, we have all those things going on. Uh, now we need to leverage those, I use that term, that, to, to make sure that we uh, keep building on that. We continue to host students, you know, as well. I think that's still a good thing. But the other thing is, uh, you know, we're getting to plant churches because those students go back home. Mm -hmm. And as you said, both of you said, all of you said, uh, there is not really much there for people uh, from an evangelical standpoint mm -hmm. in the Basque region. So when you get there, <laughs> whenever that may be, uh, I know it's going to be next. Uh, when, when do you plan on going? I mean, you're going when, Courtney? Uh, I'm hoping July. July, okay. Kind of same, same, same time? Mm -hmm. Okay, time frame. 
Uh, where will you live and what will it look like? What will life be like different than what you have now? Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll look a lot different. Um, kind of backing up a little bit, Spain in general is about the size of Ohio. It's organized into 50 provinces, um, and those provinces are then grouped into uh, the equivalent of our states. Uh, they call them auto autonomous regions. And uh, the autonomous region that we're going to be in is uh, made up of three provinces, and it's called Pais Vasco, which literally means best country in <laughs> Spanish. And so uh, the best equivalent is maybe Texas to us, where they're like, you know, we might be in America, but this is Texas. This is not America. <laughs> and so that's kind of uh, where we're going to be going. Within Pais Vasco, or Basque Country, uh, there's a small province called Gipuzkoa. And all of uh, the Basque Country, the seven provinces between Spain and France, is about the size of New Jersey. So it's a really small area. Gipuzkoa is about the size of Tazewell County, where I grew up in Morton. Uh, Mort or Tazewell County is about 100,000 people. Gipuzkoa is about 700,000 people. So it's a very small area with a lot of people in it. And uh, that's where we're going to be moving. Um, it's a, a very modern area. Uh, the, uh, there's an example of a street behind me, uh, just uh, what a normal, everyday city looks like. Um, there's, uh, this is a, the town of Orio, which is one of the towns that Emily and I are thinking about moving to. There's another town <coughs> named Lascaux, and uh, there's another picture there uh, of just, nope, not that one, the other mm -hmm. one. Yep. <laughs> so high-rise buildings. Um, the, a town about the size of Germantown Hills would be about a 15,000 person town. So if you took the footprint of Germantown Hills and then stacked it up, you can see everything's four or five stories high, so it's very condensed. Um, kind of the surrounding area of Basque Country is big rolling hills. It's very, very beautiful. Uh, looks like Ireland with hills. Uh, there's a lot of uh, shepherding that goes on. Uh, some uh, farming uh, goes on, not like big soybeans and corn and stuff like that, but uh, you know, vegetable garden type of stuff. And so, but while it's very pretty to us, it's kind of, I guess, kind of in our pit of Europe a little bit. It's um, very industrial, and uh, uh, there's factories that build trains and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's the industry center of a lot of Spain, which is uh, kind of neat. Um, Courtney, you can uh, tell I think about the about next your slide is my town. <laughs> um, well, I got personally invited to a town, so that's a little easier for me. I don't have that, uh, in, where should I go? I don't know if I feel God leading me here. God made it pretty clear, hey, this is where you're going to go. So my town is on Yanti. Now, it's just now, it's as far into the Basque country about as you can go. And all the other towns are like, you're going to on Yanti. I don't kind of, is that me? <laughs> I don't know. That's all right. Hello. We're good. All right. So a lot of other towns. <laughs> a lot of other towns uh, <laughs> say, like, Onyati, really? You're going to go to Onyati? It's far away from everything. It kind of smells weird. <laughs> the people there are really stubborn. Really? <laughs> what are you going to do there? <laughs> but uh, it's kind of a medieval town. It's right in the middle of the mountains. It's actually 22 miles from the coast, but it takes two and a half hours to get to the coast. So that's how mountainous it is. Wow, okay, okay. A uh, little bit about the family life there. A little bit, yeah. you didn't really share a lot of, I mean, you did last service, but a yeah. uh, little bit about family life difference. Um, they do community really well there. So that's really exciting to us because that is certainly an element even of Christianity is living in community with others, and they do that really well in the Basque Country. Um, so, for instance, with the little town, one of the little, ta whatever town we decide, um, 
what it'll look like is that people will be out in the town all the time together. Uh, so after school, at night, all that stuff, people are always gathered around like a town square typically. Kids are just playing all over the place um, and adults are talking and stuff. So one of the things we're like most excited and most hesitant about at the same time is just the fact that we have four children and that will provide a lot of natural connections for us. Uh, at the same time, we also have four children that we're moving overseas, so that's a little scary too. But um, no, they will go to Basque school. All of our four kids will go to Basque school, and they will that those first couple months they'll hear everything in Basque right away. So they'll be us as far as learning the language as well. So. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a little bit more about the Basque people themselves. I mean, you shared a little bit of things, but what what is some of the, I guess some of the what it means to be Basque for them, and what are maybe some of the barriers that that you may be encountering along the way? Yeah. Uh, to be Basque is kind of a funny thing. Normally, Basque people are really short, and they have darker skin, darker eyes, darker hair, and they supposedly tell me that they have bigger ears than anyone else in all of <laughs> Europe. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but they claim it. Um, they have their own language, you skit out, or Basque in English, and um, to be a Basque person is to be a keeper of the language. That's what it translates to, keeper of you skit out. Um, so that is something super huge for them, is language and speaking the language and passing it on. Um, they can be really loud and in your face. I mean, they've kind of got the uh, Napoleon complex. They're super short, but like really powerful. And <laughs> they're not going to let you tell them no. They're not going to let you, you know, have a different opinion than them. They're, they're really fiery and in your face. Um, they're also known throughout all of Spain as kind of rebels and terrorists. Uh, back in the past, they've had uh, some problems with terrorism because they really don't want to be part of Spain. They feel that they were unjustly brought into Spain. And so a lot of times you'll see a real Yushalgen, a real Basque person, like carrying around a flag that says, I don't want to be part of Spain anymore. and. Uh, kind of screaming and yelling and setting trash cans on fire and doing crazy <laughs> things like that, but uh, it is a safe area. Uh, I always tell my mom, don't worry, mom, they're not going to blow up their own country. They'll go to Madrid to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, they're, they're, they're pretty safe nowadays, and, uh, but that same kind of fiery passion is still there. <laughs> okay. Well, one of the barriers you guys going to deal with, if uh, you mentioned it already, is the language. Uh, what's the deal? How are you going to learn language? What's going to happen with that? Um, yeah. I know, I, I mean, I've had one experience overseas for eight days in, in Mali. They spoke French and something else. I don't know what that was. And, uh, you know, and I, I was like totally, I was lost, you know. So how are you going to learn the language? Yeah, uh, learning Basque is going to be probably one of the biggest challenges that we have. Uh, for an English speaker, it's probably the third hardest language to learn after Chinese and Japanese. So really, it's the hardest language that doesn't have specific characters. And the reason for that is we have prepositions, they have postpositions, um, and the <coughs> sentence structure is all reordered. So kind of a couple examples. Uh, the first one, Mikel Shagara Kandu, which literally, if you said that in English with that sentence order, it would be Mikel Apple the Eating Has. So, but we would just say, Mikel has eaten the apple. So we, we speak very linearly, whereas Basque people kind of are, it's a little bit more circular. Uh, another example, Carl Metamora in Visida, which would be Carl Metamora in Living Is. 
And so you can say, I mean, it's almost kind of like Yoda speak a little bit, you know, you're, so if you, I, I'll just watch Star Wars a lot. And <laughs> 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 living is. <laughs> he didn't do that in first service. <laughs> no, no. That was a new bonus. one, man. Yeah. That's a new bonus. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but the Basque people are so proud of their language that uh, they've kind of created this Rosetta Stone online that's completely free. So if you speak English, Spanish, or French, you can learn Basque online. We've signed up for this program and uh, have begun going through this process of learning to speak Basque. And uh, then there's some other creative things you can do, like uh, we've put our Facebook in Basque, and we've uh, I've turned my Google search homepage into the Basque search homepage. And when you do that then and you search on YouTube, you can find all sorts of children's videos that are in Euskera or in Basque. And so we've begun watching these little kids' videos and learning to count. And uh, you know the song, like, Bingo was his name Oh, the B-I-N-G-O. There's kind of a, a version of that in Euskera. So uh, we're like little kids again, listening to these songs, singing these songs. And uh, so it's just been a fun way to, to learn we, the language. We laugh because when um, our kids played soccer this fall and before all their soccer games, we listened to the Real Sociedad theme song, which is the big soccer club in Basque Country. And so now even our two-year-old sits in the back seat chanting the Basque music <laughs> and stuff. So uh, at least we have a place to start. But it is one of our biggest like prayer requests <laughs> as we go that God will help us learn the language. Because, I, I mean, I feel like these two more naturally like pick it up. I'm pretty awful at language. Like I don't even speak English well. So so, um, so any prayer that you can direct my way towards language learning would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we'll definitely pray about that. <laughs> um, the other thing is this. I want you to learn the language. I mean, oh, I guess as you learn the language and part of this, that what will you be doing there? Uh, is actually living in country. What's, what is going to look like your lifestyle once you get there? Well, we're going to, I mean, some of it will just be like those everyday things that you figure out as you go. And one of our goals is initially when we move there uh, to not just try to get settled right away and connect with like other people who are doing ministry in Basque Country, but really to rely on the people in that town to help us learn what everyday life looks like. So where they shop at and where they get their groceries from and what, you know, they do with their kids and stuff. But um, so like a lot of that will just look like going to the fruit, the, they sell things differently than we do here. They don't have this, these, they have a couple big supermarkets, but mostly in town you'll go to like a fruit store and get your fruit for the day or a bread store and get your bread for the day or a meat market. So it'll just be going about those type of things and building connections and having conversations with people initially will be a lot of that first like few months and stuff. Then from there. Yeah, I really hope to start a business eventually. Um, I majored in computer science at Bradley, have a, a business degree from Taylor then after that and so I would really love to start, maybe restart the English Immersion Program, something similar to Summer in the USA. That could be really simple as like a service-oriented business. Or uh, kind of on the more complicated side, one of our other team members, Ramon. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I don't know who it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably one to, of us. Uh, come up with a Build-A-Sheep, kind of like a Build-A-Bear in the mall. But sheep are really important in the Basque country, so maybe we can start a, a build a sheep in like a tourist <laughs> center or something like that. And so um, there's kind of a whole range of businesses, but I'd love to meet people in the normal flow of life and uh, just begin uh, having conversations with people in that way. And Courtney kind of wants to do something similar. I will tell them what, kind of what you want to do. In the Basque country, uh, near where I'm going to be living, there is a university there. And there's only about five universities in, in the Basque country. And normally, there's about 40% Basque speakers. And the university next to me, there's about 80% Basque speakers. But here's the tricky part. Unlike here, 
you have to take university level classes in four languages. It, you have to take it in Basque, you have to take it in French, you have to take it in Spanish, and you have to take it in English. So imagine trying to take law classes or something like that in a totally different language. So a lot of students really struggle with maintaining a university level English or doing things like that. So uh, right now I'm kind of looking into getting into the university as much as possible, helping them, have them help me with my mask, and then also uh, helping them with their English and then hopefully seeing if that can grow into something else in different kinds of ministry. And while we're doing all this, like I said, we want to just meet people in the normal flow of life. Um, there's kind of a diagram of our end goal uh, behind us. Our goal is to establish reproducing churches among the Basques. So whatever we're doing, whether it's a business or attending a university, we want to do that with that end goal in mind. And a as we're meeting people, um, we'll be praying a ton, walking through town, spending time on our own, maybe even sitting on a hill outside of a town just praying for the people in that town and asking God to reveal to us people of peace. And all that is is just somebody who's ready to respond to the gospel, somebody who has uh, kind of um, a spiritual sense in them that they know there's something more to life than what they're experiencing. And so we're going to be asking God, would you reveal these people to us? And then as we begin uh, sharing the gospel with them and discipling them, we want to train them to plant the church. So we don't want to be the pastors of the church because if we were doing that, we'd just translate a bunch of Chris Tomlin songs into Basque and be like, all right, here we go, we've got church. Um, but we wanted to feel Basque and be in the Basque language and be done in a Basque way. And so uh, our end goal is to begin training people uh, to establish these reproducing churches among the Basque people. And along that line, what will a ch Basque church look like? Yeah, very different. So <laughs> it might be um, in a house or it might be in a restaurant or each Basque town has what they call a culture house in the center of town that's just kind of a small classroom-sized uh, building. So it might be 8, 10, 12, 20 people who meet together, who open the Word of God and say, we're going to read this, and if this is true, what's this mean for our lives? How can we begin applying uh, this to our lives? And people will pray in those small groups and worship in those small groups and uh, take communion in those small groups. So that, that will be the church. It's just a small group of people um, and it'll be done uh, in a Basque sort of way. When Courtney, was, when she was talking with these friends, she, she said, you know, what, what would church look like to you guys? And I tell them they're responsible. But. Oh, yeah, that was, that was the best part. I had been prepped for that. Like, the missionaries have been telling me, if anybody ever talks to you about church, ask them, what do you want Basque church to look like? We want to know. So I kind of sat down. I was like, okay, what, is, what does Basque church look like? And they said, number one, it has to be Basque speaking. And we don't mean the Basque that they teach in school. Okay, so Basque speakers, there's 3 million Basque speakers. But inside the 3 million Basque speakers, there's 20 different, or 26 different dialects. These don't look at all like each other. Like one town can't understand the next town. So when I asked these girls, okay, what does church look like? They said, no, 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 no. It's not the one that they bring together and teach us in school. It's our Basque. Okay. We can speak your Basque. And they said, next, everything has to be done in Basque. So singing has to be done in Basque. We need to have, you know, preaching in Basque. We need to have Bible reading in Basque. We need to have everything done in Basque. Okay, I got it. The third, no church building. Really? They said, yes. They're like, have you seen these Catholic churches? They smell, they're dark, they're creepy. Nobody wants to go inside of those things. We don't want that. Okay, and I said, no, we'd rather, we'd rather meet somewhere, somewhere we know, you know, like, 
maybe at our our house or at uh, they they rent little houses together with their friends maybe at one of those places but no church building <laughs> <laughs> so that does lend itself very well to uh what kind of what we're hoping to do yeah great yeah that's one thing i, I think we have to get out of our minds in america we don't, we're not going over i know i grew up southern baptist okay we we, we sent thousands thousands of missionaries out and the problem was that we go out and we try to plant little, you know, clapboard white buildings in Africa or something, you know, <laughs> sing American songs, and it didn't work at all. We kind of wonder what's the deal. So this is going to be a church for the people that live there mm-hmm. and in the, in, the, in the context of who, who lives there as well. Mm-hmm. And so we look forward to what God's going to do through you guys. I, and you understand that. You're not going there for the purpose of just reproducing this kind of church. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with this kind of church here. It just doesn't work over there very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Okay, any closing comments we have? Any, anything that we want to wrap up here at the end? Yeah, I, I mean, you're seeing the three of us in front of you this morning, but uh, just remember that Jeff and Mary Shadowin are already in the Basque Country. Some of you know them. Uh, they're behind me with their uh, granddaughter, uh, Maddie. So be praying for them. They're already in a town called Sumaya and trying to meet people, find people of peace, and begin planting a church. Uh, in that town, so we'll be joining them. There's also another family that's going, Ramon and Cindy Garcia, and they have three boys. Uh, Ramon is Venezuelan and uh, actually found the Lord through a church plant, uh, a, a sister church plant in the uh, Fellowship of Evangelical Churches. Uh, and uh, Cindy, his wife, was doing some mission work there. They met, got married, have spent the last 10 years here in the United States and are going back with us. And uh, as Emily said, Cindy was her counselor uh, when Emily was at Miracle Camp when she was 15 years old. So uh, be praying for our whole entire team. It's a blessing to be going as a team, and we're excited to be joining them. And um, behind me also is our contact information. We would uh, just crave if you would shoot us an email and say, hey, we want to stay in touch, and we'll put you on our email list and keep you up to date. Uh, and the reason for that is we want your prayers more than anything. Uh, in Western Europe in general, not just the Basque Country, but uh, people are the same race as we are. They're as rich as we are, as educated as we are. And quite honestly, they have better friend groups than we do and better relationships. And so um, as Americans, we have nothing to offer people. And so we firmly believe that without the power of prayer and without people interceding for the Basque people, that there will be no change that happens. And so we just ask that you stay in touch with us um, and that you be spending time praying for the Basque people. And uh, we also would love if you'd support us monthly. It's, it's not about us. We want to be participating in this as well. That's one of the reasons I want to get a job is uh, so that we're participating and supporting ourselves. Um, but we need some time to be able to learn the language. And so uh, even $5 a month, just loyal, dedicated support is super helpful to us. And so if you want to grab a card from either us or Courtney at the end of the service, we'll just be up here and we'd love to talk to you more. And uh, we'd appreciate your financial support, prayer support, uh, any, any way that you can help. We believe firmly that this is a team effort, that it's not just us going to Basque Country. This isn't about Jason and Emily and Courtney and the Garcias and the Shadowins. This is about uh, all of us together as the body of Christ, um, working with the Holy Spirit and bringing change in the lives of the Basque people. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys for showing up today and, and sharing uh, what you're going to do and look forward to hearing what God's going to be doing as you transition over there. And uh, you know, we covet as a church to continue to support and encourage you guys uh, prayer-wise and financially-wise as well. But individually, you can do the same thing, and I encourage you to do that. We'll keep you guys... Uh, I know you guys will communicate on your end because I've appreciated over the last few years getting to know, uh, especially you, Jason, <laughs> because uh, uh, through Miracle Camp, uh, the level of our communication has risen exponentially and everything like that. So... Uh, that's great. And that's going to be a key to let, us, to let us know what to pray about and how to, how to be involved in this as well. So they're going to be up here following our service uh, that you can come by and just uh, 
If you've got more questions or want to talk to them about anything, pick up a prayer card or, or whatever, you can do that as well. And uh, we, we look forward to see what God's going to do with this whole team now. It's going. I think we're at a new crossroads in our ministry uh, to the Basque. Uh, we've been involved with that, like I said, for a number of years. Uh, we, we're going to continue to be involved with, the, uh, with bringing students over. But uh, at the same time, that's not our end goal. Our end goal is to help those students to go back home, uh, connect with, with, with life-giving churches there and uh, when it may be a small house church or whatever and have a place to grow in Christ because that's where it's going to make the difference and so we look forward to seeing what God's going to do through all that okay tell you what let's all stand together and we'll have a closing prayer and uh, you can come by and visit with them and then we'll uh, see you guys uh, next week God we thank you once again for your incredible love and your goodness to us we pray that you would just enable us this morning to realize that each one of us have a mission some of us are called here right in our own neighborhood to, uh, to, to reach the person that's next door, the person that, is, uh, that may look like they have everything but uh, really are struggling, or that person at work or that person at school that uh, needs to know you, God. Help us to realize, realize that the first thing we have to do is connect with people. And as we connect with people, God, we can serve people and then we can share with people and we can help them to grow and take next steps. And we can continually pray over all this, God, because without you, nothing is going to work. Um, but through this, God, we, we can do that here. But we, not all of us can go over to the Basque people. And God, I'm so thankful that you've called this group of folks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let me just go ahead and pray, finish praying. God, we want to pray, pray for Courtney right now, too, She's, and, and just watch over her right now. And guide us now, God, uh, this day, and all we do, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.